So Jesus, when the news is good and we are celebrating you, our Lord, and when the news is bad, and Lord, this week it has been bad, you are still Lord. So Jesus, ask that you use your word to make us brave and to make us healers like you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hello, 945. Good to see all of you here. I just have to say parenthetically, I love the sound of that B3 organ in worship, right? Like... Just a little bit of Pentecostal for the Presby's, right? Just a little, just a touch, just a little bit. Not enough to scare you, but just enough to. I saw a cartoon recently that was titled The Evolution of a Mariners Fan. And the first frame had the heading April. And it showed a Mariners fan saying, this is our year, go Mariners. And then the next frame was titled June. And the same Mariners fan was saying, we'll come back after the all-star break, go Mariners. The third frame was titled July. Mariners fan is saying, there's still time. Go Mariners. And the last frame was titled August. And the Mariners fan was saying, go Hawks. (laughs) But this year is different. There is still a chance, kind of, sort of. I'm not discouraged. Go Hawks. (laughs) I think that captures something that a lot of us feel from time to time. That is discouragement. Now, some of you, you don't ever get discouraged, and you both know who you are. So just kind of listen to this to help someone else, right? But most of us at least occasionally get discouraged. And it can take a lot of different forms. Like sometimes it's just a settled depression, but a lot of times it's indifference and apathy. You look at a problem in your life or in the news, and you think, oh my God, it's so big, I don't know where to start. Ah, never mind. And this week's news is discouraging. A mall shooting, another police shooting of an unarmed black man in Oklahoma, a shooting and riots in Charlotte. I heard an African-American pastor say this week, I am just tired of having to justify my need to lament. Surely God's people can bring healing into that, but it can be discouraging, right? And I'll talk about more about that in a little bit in, in this sermon and in future upcoming sermons this fall, but surely we can be healers, right? Or maybe it's a personal issue. Sometimes we get discouraged because our career or school isn't going the way we want. Or we keep giving in to the same temptation. Don't have the relationships we want. Well, this fall, we're talking about how we can be resilient people who relentlessly pursue God and his revival of all things. And key to being resilient is the ability to persevere through discouragement. And for the last two weeks, we talked about courage. To be discouraged is to have the courage taken out of you. Right? So t- but today's text shows how we can have renewed courage and be resilient, persevere through discouraging times. The Apostle Paul says this, Be strong, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay, so right there we got a bit of a problem. Because to a lot of folks these days, the whole idea of the devil kind of seems medieval, superstitious. Right? Like, why? You know, who believes in that anymore? Right? But the same Bible that affirms that there is a God, which most of us accept, also affirms that there is a force against God that works against God's purposes, calls that force Satan or the devil. Now, we tend to think that things like war and racism and poverty have natural causes, you know, economic, educational, psychological factors, and and there's a lot of truth in that, but it also, it kind of wears a little thin because those things are so intractable, it seems like there's also something else behind the scenes kind of stirring the pot. 
Right? The Nazis had bookshelves filled with Goethe and Shakespeare and Darwin, so lack of education was not their issue. Karl Marx said the problem is capitalism and communism is the answer, but the oppressions of the Soviet Union and more recently in Venezuela show that every economic system is flawed because people are flawed. So there's something else. It seems like there are natural causes, but there also seems like there's something else also contributing. Now, that doesn't mean that every single thing is the devil, right? Because sometimes Christians can go overboard on that, right? Like, oh, I didn't get a parking spot, so I was late to church. That's the devil, you know. No, it's because you didn't listen to your pastor who told you to park at Bellevue Christian and take the shuttle. <laughs> Bad things happen when you don't listen to your pastor, which is also why you should always move to the center of the row. Do not argue with me. It's a biblical truth, okay? Right? I just, seminary, I know things you don't know. Center of the row is one of them, all right? It's in the Hebrew. All right. Where am I? M many, things, many things have natural causes. Some things have spiritual causes. A lot of things have both. That's why Paul says this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't fight people. Christians sometimes mess that up something fierce. We don't fight people, right? Our battle's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The battle is spiritual. Our weapons are going to be spiritual. And we overcome evil with good. And then Paul lists the spiritual weapons that make us resilient even in discouragement. And I don't have time to go into all of them, but let me just touch on a couple, kind of semi-briefly. The first thing we need to do to be resilient in discouragement is we need preventative maintenance. Right? Paul says, put on the armor of God. When do you put the armor on? Before the battle, right? Part of the reason we get discouraged is because when things are going well, we don't pray, you know, don't necessarily come to worship very often, no Christian community, and then suddenly there's a problem, right? And then once the problem hits, suddenly we're, we're like in church. We're in church every Sunday, you know, and, and listening to the Christian radio station in our car, maybe even as penance, you know. If I listen to this stuff, maybe God will be nice to me, you know. We start praying, praying, please, God, please, oh, please, help, 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 help. Okay, now it's never too late to put on the armor of God, but before the battle's a little bit better, so we're prepared. Because in the middle of the battle, when the arrows are flying and there's all this battle stuff, right, that you, you don't go, guess I better get that shield. <laughs> now, where did I put that? Think, where did I see it last, right? The middle of the battle is not the moment to go, excuse me, while I slip into something more appropriate. To prevent discouragement, we need prayer, we need worship, we need Christian community, Regularly, frequently. Second, to overcome discouragement, tell the truth. Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. He didn't mean by belt what we think of as belt. It was a leather apron that Romans wore almost as an undershirt that would anchor everything else in their armor. Right? And that's what Jesus' truth does for us. It anchors us. The word devil means liar. The word Satan means the accuser. And that's what he loves to do, loves to whisper those lies. That problem is too big for you. It's never going to get better. You don't have what it takes. He focuses on our sin, not our Savior, so we feel shame. He minimizes God's power and maximizes the giants we face. He knows every button to push, every string to pluck, and he plays us like a cheap fiddle at a hoedown. And the result is discouragement. 
The antidote to those lies is God's truth, as found in Scripture. No, I will not be discouraged by that problem. It is not bigger than my God. He can slay that giant. No, I will not move in fear just because that person is a different race or a different nationality. I'm actually going to go say hi. I might even get to know them because that's the truth of God found in Scripture. Now, one of the places we most have to tell the truth is about ourselves. Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate protects your heart. So breastplate of righteousness would protect your heart from feelings of guilt, shame, inadequacy, all of that. Because Satan loves to shame us, right? Remember that one time you failed? Here, let's, here's another one. Here's another one. Let's just kind of scroll through your memory banks in your hall of shame, right? Here, this. Remember this. Remember this. The breastplate of righteousness protects me from that. Because the righteousness that Paul's talking about is not my own. It's Jesus who lives inside of me. And if that's the case, when God looks at me, he doesn't see a sinner, messed up, rotten person. Same with you. He sees forgiven people becoming like Jesus. One of the more famous verses in the Bible says this. There is therefore now only a little bit of condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That is the relatively good news of the gospel. Y'all, you remember that verse, right? Like, it's not what it says, right? Okay? The real verse is this. Okay? I want you to say it with me. There is now therefore no condemnation. And you know, if you look up no in the Greek, it's funny. It means no. <laughs> it means none. Not, not even a little tiny bit of condemnation left over. Who then can accuse us? So maybe sometimes you feel like a failure. Maybe indeed you have failed at something. All of us fail at something. That doesn't mean you are a failure. God never calls anyone a failure. Failure is directional. It shows us a better way to go. Who can accuse you of being a failure? Well, as it turns out, lots of people can, right? Right? But they're all wrong. Who says they're wrong? Jesus says they're wrong. Boom, mic drop, end of conversation. <laughs> now, this is something Paul, pro Paul probably had to struggle with because you read through the Bible, his rivals were always saying how, how unimpressive Paul was. He wasn't a good speaker. He was ugly, right? And we all have those tapes. I know I have those tapes playing through my head. Right? Uh, when I was growing up, my peers always made sure that I understood that I was not very attractive. And sometimes that tape keeps playing. And shockingly, getting older has not improved my looks. I just, it's sort of, you know, so occasionally, right? I mean, like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh man, Dudley. And you're know, like, no one's going to listen to you looking like that. I mean, look, you're the crypt keeper for heaven's sakes, right? Like, I'm fine. You don't have to take care of me. I'm good. But that's where God's truth starts to, no. Right? God can use me just as I am, just like he used the Apostle Paul, just as he was. Right? God, God values me. I am valuable not because of what I look like or my job or anything like that. I'm valuable because God says I am. Right? Now, personally, I think God could have worked through me just fine if I looked like Bradley Cooper. Right? <laughs> but I'm sure even he gets insecure. At least I hope he does. In the face of those voices, the breastplate of righteousness says, I'm valuable to God no matter what. Preventative maintenance, tell the truth. Next, link shields. Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, our individualist, individualistic culture blinds us to what this verse really means, right? Because when we hear that, we think, oh, you know, my shield, my personal shield, you know, me and my shield, we're doing fine, leave me alone, got my shield. Right? Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. That is not what that verse means. Nope, nope, nope. See, the Bible is a culture of community. This letter would have been written, read to a whole church. The you is y'all. 
Right? And the Roman soldiers, Roman soldiers, what they would do is they would link their shields together and then stand their ground. They were the most invincible because the arrows couldn't get past all their linked shields. That's how they used a shield back then. Not just me and my shield, it's this phalanx of, of, of shields. And there are some cool scenes in the movie 300 that kind of show how this works. And for some of you, that's the only thing you're going to get out of this sermon. I got to watch that <laughs> movie. Lone soldiers are easy to pick off. You need some fellow warriors to link shields with. Spiritual friendships, where you have fun for sure, but you also get to the real stuff and can encourage each other through the devil's lies. Fourth, keep the long view in mind. Paul says, take up the shield of what? Of faith. A lot of definitions of faith, but one in the Bible is faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is forward looking. The passage goes on to talk about people like Abraham and Jacob who kept persevering even through difficult times because they had a long-term vision. God had promised them that they were going to be a great nation. The vision of the future kept them going through discouraging times. See, Christian perseverance is not just grinning and bearing it. If we have a sense that God is doing something good, we can persevere through anything. Now, you might say, well, God hasn't promised to fix the problem that's discouraging me. Well, first of all, he might. Let's not rule it out. But even if he doesn't, as I've said many times, the one thing God has promised is that he will always use trials to strengthen us and bring good things out of them. And I know it sounds like a consolation prize, but it's not. Because if he takes the trial away and you didn't get stronger, now you are vulnerable to the next time there's a trial. But if he makes you strong enough to handle any trial, now you're invincible. If you follow baseball, you know that the Chicago Cubs have not won a World Series since 1908. It is the longest championship drought in baseball history. And one time in an interview, the Cubs play-by-play -play guy was asked about this incredibly long losing streak, and his response was, he went, eh, anyone can have a bad century. <laughs> That's kind of the long term, right? That's kind of the long term vision, right? The, the discouraged athlete can persevere by the long term vision of winning. The discouraged couple can persevere through a marriage with the long-term vision of a fantastic renewed marriage. The discouraged parent can persevere through hard times by a vision of their children as godly, difference-making adults, and it may take decades. Some things even take a lifetime, but we can still persevere through the vision that God, what God is doing in and through me is always more significant than what is happening to me. Preventative maintenance, tell the truth, link shields, keep the long view in mind, and then Paul adds one more. Pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And in spirit does not mean, you know, presenting our list of non-negotiable demands, a.k.a. prayer requests, but listening for those thoughts that come from God. And on all occasions means prayer isn't just one more weapon in the arsenal. It belongs. It goes with all of them. So those are a few of the spiritual weapons we have that can help us persevere through discouragement. The bottom line is this, okay? This is the bottom line. Bottom line is this, we don't have to be passive victims. We can be resilient. <clears throat> so if you remember nothing else from this sermon, except for perhaps the movie 300, okay, if you remember nothing else from this sermon, remember this. Here's the main point. Take up your authority. God has given you spiritual authority. Take it up. If you'll notice, there's no armor in this list to protect your back. No provision made for retreat. Four times in this passage, Paul commands us to stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, so that you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. 
It's an image of defiance in the face of discouragement, but also of authority. Kings and priests and prophets were said to stand over the people. Take up your authority. <clears throat> Last Christmas, one of my friends posted something on Facebook called the Brutally Honest Christmas Card, which I just love. Because you know the Christmas cards are only filled with all the good stuff, you know. Tom got a promotion and is now head of sales for all Antarctica, you know. And <laughs> little Timmy got an A in his Sanskrit class. Oh, far out. Shut up. <laughs> this one was honest. This one was honest. It said, in the past year, I experienced a traumatizing pregnancy and birth and nearly died. Our baby had to be hospitalized. We left our jobs and moved across the country and said goodbye to amazing friends. Our van broke down for good. We moved to the outer edges of Portland, a food and cultural wasteland. That's just hurtful. Our upstairs neighbors drove their car into my daughter's bedroom. Every month we hope this time we won't qualify for food stamps, but it hasn't happened yet. It was the year of temper tantrums, strange fevers, panic attacks, and shut down souls. But the other day we came home after being at my parents' house while they were fixing my daughter's wall due to the aforementioned car. And as we walked in, I said, I miss this place. Just a quiet, pleasant thought. I see glimmers of our new normal. Neighbors dropped by Afghan food, and we ate it standing in our kitchen, wanting to cry with how good it tasted and how it felt great to have community with people who are very different than we are. My daughter is friends with blonde boys named Lucas and black-haired boys named Muhammad. My baby is going to start crawling, and we are going to keep learning to be generous, vulnerable, hopeful, grateful. We might go to church more Sundays than not. But the most significant thing is that Jesus is no longer abstract, a walking theology, a list of do's and don'ts to me. This is the year I recognized him as my battered, bruised brother, and I see how he never once left my side. It's been our hardest year, my husband said, and then paused. But our kids sure are great, and we don't have the energy to pretend we're okay because we're not, which means our friends now really know us, and that feels good. And so the light around us remains, we take our mercies as we get them. We see a new year just around the corner. Maybe, just maybe, this one will be better. They are taking their stand. They have taken up their authority and standing against discouragement, telling the truth. These things cannot defeat me. Linking shields in community with a long-term vision of what Jesus is doing, covered it all in prayer, and now they are resilient because they took up their authority. I occasionally teach a preaching class at SPU, and once in one of my classes, I had a woman who was a great preacher, but came from a tradition that did not affirm women in ministry, so was kind of hesitant. And she gave this great sermon in class, but was kind of shy about it. <clears throat> so I said to her in front of the entire class, the almighty God, the sovereign reigning almighty God of the universe has called you to preach his word. Who are you to disagree with him? Take up your authority and preach it, sister. She got a big smile on her face. She sat down at her desk and she said, now, say that again. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> the sovereign, reigning, almighty God of the universe has given you spiritual authority. Take it up and stand against the devil's discouragement. But not only stand, no, 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 don't just stand, but then also go on the offensive. You know, if you read commentaries about this passage, almost all the commentaries say, you know, except for the sword, all the weapons Paul talks about are defensive, not offensive. <laughs> commentaries are so sweet and wrong. I said, that's not right at all. Because see, that shield that the Romans would link together to protect themselves, do you know what they did after they linked those shields? They would march, step 
at a time, sometimes very slowly, but step by step, inexorably moving forward, driving the enemy back. Paul says to arm ourselves with feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Readiness, that sounds like going on the offensive to me. And the word peace in the Bible never means peace and quiet. No, no, no. The Hebrew word is shalom. It means all things being restored to the way God intended them to be. See, the gospel isn't a theology, right? It's, it's that Jesus makes good news happen for the poor right here and now. He sets at liberty those who are oppressed. He reconciles people to God and people to each other. He heals injustice. Those aren't just things we read about or think about. Those are things we do to push back on the enemy. If you are seeking a religion to make you comfortable, you have come to the wrong place. Jesus will have none of that crap. He makes us brave. He makes us resilient. He makes us victors through him. After the racist shootings in African-American church in South Carolina last year, some of you remember a church, white man shot up a whole bunch of black people, a lot of pain in that community afterwards. Well, at the hearing of the murderer, whose name was Dylan Roof, there was an African-American pastor who spoke, and he said to Roof, would you please, please take this opportunity to give your life to the only one who matters, Jesus, who can change you. So in the face of something so discouraging, he pushed back by offering both truth and grace. Meanwhile, there was a young white woman named Sarah who attended the memorial service at that church, and she admitted that in the past she would only have gone out of white guilt. But she said, this one was different. I'm here now because I know that I can't make the world better on my own. I'll fail every time I need the body of Christ. And all I can bring right now is a broken heart, a broken heart. Not a bad gift to give to the Lord and to my brothers and sisters who are in pain. Remember my African-American friend who said, I'm just tired of having to justify my need to lament? In the face of something so discouraging, she took a stand and stood with her black sisters and brothers simply to lament with them. And that pushes back on hatred and division just a little bit. Where are you feeling discouraged? Get familiar with your armor, because you're going to need it. And where might God be calling you to go on the offensive and to push back at the discouragement in our world? Maybe it's a battle in your personal life. You're already in it. Maybe it's just personal with you. you. You keep fighting. Stay the course. Jesus is with you. But maybe it's something in our world. Maybe it's something in our world. Maybe that means connecting with someone that's a different race or economic class than you to heal some of those divisions. Maybe it's tutoring a kid who needs it. Maybe it's befriending someone who's lonely. Whatever it is for you, ask God, where's my place in the battle? I'll close with this. <clears throat> when my brother was in college, he ran track. And on their practice route, it went through this out in the country, there was this tiny little dog that would always chase after them, bark and snarl and bite at their feet, right? Now, before I go any further, I just need to say that no animals were harmed in this sermon illustration, okay? So, PETA people, just hold your email, all right? But there is a word for a little dog that barks at you as though it were a lion. Bootables, right? Because you, you, they act big and tough, but you know that you could boot them into the next county. Not that you ever would, but you know that you could. So why are you taking me on, tiny little dog, right? <clears throat> so every time the track team would go out on a run, this bootable would bark and snarl and chase and bite at their feet until one day the team captain came up with a plan. When the dog came after them, on the count of three, the entire track team simply turned around, stomped their feet, and stood there. The dog froze and then fell over on its side, stunned. (laughs) 
Then it got up and ran away, never bothered them again. Okay, here's my point. Satan is a bootable. All right, he yips a lot, but we not only can stand our ground against him, but also advance God's kingdom wherever we go. And we can say to him, you don't discourage me. And through Jesus, I am taking back what you stole. My hope, my heart, my family, my workplace, my school, my community. Hand them over, Satan. They do not belong to you. They belong to my Lord. And I am not afraid of you because you are not going to win this one. Jesus is. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand and then forward march. Jesus, thank you that you make us brave. Thank you that you make us strong. You are the healer of injustice. You are the healer of hurt. You are the healer of despair. Make us healers too. In your name, amen.